Hey team, welcome to the Professionally Offensive Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cabrera. This is the spot where we provide raw, unfiltered insights from some amazing guests. Stand by, you're about to be offended in all the right ways. All right, team, welcome back to the pod. I am here today with a repeat guest, actually, someone who's been on the show before, Alex Santiago, or I should say Major Alex Santiago. Episode 22, check it out. Plan work dying for if you haven't heard it before. Give it a listen. It's awesome. But today we're going to talk about something that he and I actually have had conversations before about that I thought might be useful to y'all as listeners. In addition to that, I've heard a couple conversations here recently um, about folks who have worked for employers, work for business owners, work for executives, so on and so forth. Um, and there, there seems to be a really interesting pattern here lately, at least that I've seen with folks talking about their managers not being really great leaders. And when I asked them why that was, they said it's hard to put a finger on. It's almost something intangible, something I can't really describe. But there's just something about the way they act, the way they communicate, the way they don't act, the way they you know don't show up, or the way they do show up. There's a lot of weird, interesting nuances there that, for some reason, I just have a hard time getting behind this person. And so it got me thinking, well, heck, Alex and I have served together. We've seen the good, bad, and the ugly. And so today I just want to talk a little bit about some of the, some of the folks maybe made the MVP list on both ends of the spectrum and go from there. But brother, good to have you on the show today. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate being here again. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's always good. It always brings me back good memories talking about our time in the service. But I don't know what comes to mind with you, man. Like it, I think about this thing. You know, we used to get graded on this thing called leader presence. Like, do you act, look, act, talk, walk like a leader? And it sounds so weird saying that now uh, because it just seems extremely, I don't know, somewhat um, effective. What's that? subjective sometimes it is it kind of how many key formations did he show up to how often was he on time and you're like what does that have to do with presence i was on time every day but i didn't talk to anybody (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's exactly right his his uniform looked amazing but i only saw it in pictures i never saw it in person you know what it is man i mean i think it's energy what do you think about that i think it's an energy when folks say you know what I'm not talking about bad folks or bad managers. And that's why you notice me not using managers and leaders interchangeably. I think those are two different things, as I think we would both agree. But managers that are bad, I'm, I'm, I think that's very maybe more objective to see. They're dishonest or they're, they, don't, they don't communicate effectively. They're sloppy in their work. They, um, they just don't, you know, they don't do what they say, some of those things. I'm talking about the leaders that are maybe the lukewarm ones. What's, the, what's your thought on that? Is it energy level that, you know, we kind of pick up? you know, that, or don't pick up on that kind of drive us one way or another. I'm just trying to think of some of the guys and gals we've worked for that make us go, I follow that person through hell and back. You know, they're not perfect, but for some reason I will. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the way to describe it. Cause I mean, I think presence, we kind of hit on this. I think back when I was still in Texas, we talked about how do you, deliver a a vision or an idea or some like information to an organization in a timely manner. And then we talked about that. It, it's a matter of, of scale and scope kind of, you know, what you tell, what you share with a board and the way that you deliver the message is different than the way you would deliver it at different levels within the organization, because it's about the context of the understanding. And I think presence is a lot of the same, Um, And a lot of times I think maybe people see it binary, right? Like I need to be present for my superiors. And then on the other side, there's people who I want to be present for my subordinates or my direct reports. And you can't do like one or the other is not the option that works, right? If you're super present, I think with your superiors, your subordinates tend to think that you cared nothing for them and you're a careerist. And if you're super present with your direct reports, your superiors can tend to think that you you don't do anything for them. Like you're well liked, but you don't perform or you don't provide results. And so I think it's it's not about a like this dichotomy or something that's binary. I think it's understanding how to be present in all those levels. And so for this, I mean, for kind of what our subject is, I think about our first company commander, right? First troop commander. I think he he was a master of that, right? He was present at our level he and he was present at the next level up. 
he knew how to deli- how to communicate at both of those levels. I mean, he could get in the dirt with us down in the bottom and be the best at it and hold us accountable, but he could also stand and be the most professional and be the most trusted above him. And he was able to, to pull those two together. And it was never looked at as like, it was never looked at as careerism. Yeah. I think what made us respect him so much is that he was so respected by his superiors and we thought so highly of him that we thought he walked on water. You know, I, th- I, 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 this, I mean, this is kind of comical, but I remember when we said bye to him in Afghanistan, we legitimately thought as the helicopter was flying away that he would just like throw grenades out and like have the flares go off and be like later. And like, we were like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it would seem normal for a guy like that. Yeah. And he, and no one would be mad at him because again, he had that presence in both sides. They'd be like, it was okay. Um, and even to that point, you know, the man left, he was at, I think, Salerno. And I remember him telling us this story. He, he heard that we got attacked or something happened at wilderness and he was ready to come back. Yep. He had no, like, nobody knew that. Right. Like we all thought like the moment he lifted off, like, that's it. Like, we'll see him again, maybe never, but he wanted to come back just in case he was needed. And so, you know, that, that level of presence, it's easy. I think to do, I don't want to say it's easy, but it, I think it's in the natural order of things to do that presence up. Right. Mm-hmm. Because evaluations are written that way. They're, they're like your, your career is sometimes written on your presence up and your performance and how you're viewed by the people and whether they are deciding to promote you further up and bring you higher in the company because you've done good work. It's harder. And I think it's more of an, an intrinsic trait for you to want to be present below because it, it's not always, it's not, it's not, it's not always career rewarding or at least the, the link is not direct, right? It's more of like a wisdom thing. Like, you can get more over a longer period of time by understanding how important presence is below you. But in the short, in a short-sighted sense, it doesn't seem like it does anything for you. Yeah. You can't see the direct reward. And I think that's why like great leaders, that's why, I mean, no one would argue that they don't have wisdom, right? Like anybody who's had a great leader in their life, they're like, Oh, that person's really wise, but it's because they see the, they're, they see the long-term effects of like, being short-sighted and cutting people out at the knees and not caring about being present and being there for direct reports versus the shiny object, which is what you need to be for your superiors. And so the ones who are able to grapple and balance that are amazing because you respect them for their abilities to go high and you respect them for their empathy down below and their emotional intelligence. And you're just like, I can't hold a candle to that guy. And I think that's where you want to be as a leader, right? Like I always told people when you have a whole bunch of cool badges on your uniform, you want, you want people to look at you and say, man, I hope one day I can be like him, but you never want them to say like, man, that guy did that. I can do that. You know, like that's the wrong thing. You're you're doing something wrong if that's how they look at you. And I think for like our first commander, like we, we definitely were like, can we, can we hold, hold up to that like can we hold that standard because that's that i mean he he was he was awesome he's a great person to start off our career no i think you're right great example and you said something to me earlier about him being able to do well low and 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 be able to come back down you know where we were and still be well respected i also think that has to do with the fact that like he was the same person so like you know i remember being a fly on the wall in some senior meetings just kind of or hearing about it and he would give he was kind of a witty guy and so he would give that same amount of wit to superiors with it. It's like that swagger, right? He had that swagger and they kind of looked yeah. at him like anybody else probably couldn't get away with it. But because he was saying the right hard thing in, a, you know, in front of a bunch of senior leaders, they kind of like, hey, man, got to respect that. And he would do the same to us. He wasn't a different person. How and what he delivered on or what he focused on was different. Yeah. But how he was as a person, you're right, was the same. And I think this is where we both, I think that it is a... I think it comes down to like reading it's that energy. Like you read that like he's just genuine no matter what. He's not trying to posture none of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you're it's a that's a great point cuz 
his delivery may have been different, but his message was always the same. You yeah, know, I, same dude. I remember when we when we went, man, we were we were somewhere in some valley, middle of nowhere. It's fresh snow, it's freezing cold. I think we ended up finding more than we thought we were gonna find. And so we ended up being there a little, a little bit later. And so the whole like idea of walking out just seemed like not a good idea anymore. And I remember him being on the radio and he was like, we're gonna fly out of here. And he got on there and he said, he says, that troop doesn't need those helicopters. We need them, give them to us. And then he hung up and he looked directly at me and he was like, you're not allowed to do that yet. And then like, we got helicopters that night and, you know, I'm paraphrasing what he said on the radio because it was a lot more eloquent and professional because he was talking to a higher headquarters, but it was, it was very matter of fact and nothing he said was wrong. Just like when, you know, he talked to us, nothing he said was wrong. It was just very like straight into the point and not much to argue about. And I think he also lived in a climate where like people respected that, right? Because I, I think I've been in I've been in places where nobody wants to hear the truth. They want to hear what's gonna make it happen. That's all, right? And and that's detrimental just as much. Like it's it's actually hard to be a good leader in organizations like that because in those situations your presence down, like going down, people love you because they know that you speak truth to power, but presence up becomes really hard because it conflicts. You may not be around with, very long. Yeah. Cause it conflicts <laughs> with what people want and what people want is not necessarily like truthful or necessarily like what's best for the organization. And so they're like, Hey, I hear what you're saying and I hear that, but like, I don't care. Mm. I want it a different way. Um, and yeah, I think, you're right. He had, he had a kind of a, th that environment up and down was good because even his leader was that way, right? And so yeah. I think that's what helped all the way through. Um, that's a really good point, man, that you make about like his, okay, just for the audience there in case they didn't pick that up, I think it's a really cool, I call them micro stories that sometimes you forget about, but they actually mean the world. I can tell that it made an impact on you just in that forever. But just so y'all know that like it's, there is an entire like an entire chess game being played above. This is the same way in the civilian world, like you know, and they're playing the chess games and they're trying to figure out where to allocate resources to and whatever. And that comment that our uh, boss at the time made, our very first boss made at the time, was uh, we were going to get stuck out there without getting some helicopters in to come pick us up, and uh, these helicopters apparently were going to go somewhere else on a different mission that very clearly we were often in the in the middle of the, the hottest things i think that so he knew that wherever these were going are are just like almost by definition not as important and so that comment he made you know is just a really like it is a very you know him thing to say right because he knew and, and it's hard to argue at the same time the part that i don't want anybody to miss so he says that right he says no no wherever it's going they're not important given to us give those resources to us what I think is really cool about what you just pointed out is his immediate telling you, hey, you can't be doing that right now. And that's an extreme self-awareness, man, also, right? Like yeah. to know that, all right, what I just said has ramifications on this young leader who's next to me because I don't want him going out there and just slinging lead all over the place and just, you know, telling people all the resources right. belong to him too with no empathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that is a great point because it's... Um, Cause that would have turned out poorly for him. Right. He had lieutenants running around like that. That would have, it would have reflected directly on him. And he knew that. Um, Cause he's still being human, right? He's still like in that moment, I'm sure he had a bit of like, you know, a little, you know, a moment of like, are you kidding me? Give me those, you know, like it's human. Yeah. At the same time he's like, oh man, all right. I'm also a leader. I gotta make sure that I'm bringing this down the right way. I, dude, I, Joe, I always felt like that guy would like, we were just like grown up like his grown up children sometimes because he would look at you and then he'd like the way he would talk would be like a, like a fatherly figure. Like, okay, Hey, I told you to go do that. But when I did this thing, don't do that. You're not ready for that yet. And you're like, okay. And he's like, but get up, get up that mountain right now. Like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like the tallest one. Okay. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, but he, I mean, even, I mean, he, like, I think I told you, and I don't want to like pull the audience into like a random story, but like, I, I just remember even when he found out about like relationship issues that people had, like, I remember the the awkward hug he gave, but like the dude, like who would have thought that the dude would give me a, an awkward hug to make sure that I was okay with what was going on back home. And I was totally okay, but he did that. And now that's just who he was. Like he, he could step into the, Hey, I care about these people as like individual human beings. I care about the organization as an organization. And I, and the beauty of what he was able to do is he was able to just move between all of those different spectrums of leadership yep. wherever he was needed and like yeah. put it in the right. And when he wasn't needed, he let us run with it. And that, you know, like I wrote it down in my book because this is something we talked about in our conversation, as you pointed out when you pulled up you started the podcast was uh, leading with trust. And he did that. He gave us trust right off the bat. We didn't have to earn it. And that's really counterintuitive to many things that I've heard, many things that I've seen and experienced. And it's risky, right? I think a lot of managers, leaders want to feel people out and see if they can trust them mm-hmm. versus starting with the trust. And people are going to people are going to fail you, but like that happens in life. That That is literally life. Like life never goes as you expect it. But a lot of times when you put, when you lead with trust and you start by trusting someone, they more times than not will outperform your expectations because they understand what they're carrying for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, yeah. And he, I mean, he told us we were his like running backs. We were, dogs with lots of leash and wanted us to like pull as much slack as we could out of that um and i the easiest way to describe it is the power of when someone who is senior to you looks at you and you have a question for them like hey i trust you go with it and really own it right not like let you guys start making right just those words yep you can feel like as a as a as like a direct reporter in the army as a subordinate you can feel that burden on your shoulders but it's that good burden right like you're like okay i want to do well yeah I want and so now your motivations have switched from just careerism or for a paycheck but now you don't want to prove that person wrong and the and there's power in that and yeah. it's more intrinsic and it's more powerful than doing it for any other reason and you know like i think the last time we kind of talked about doing it for your your fellow soldier and like all that stuff but when you're doing it it, it's weird i mean i I don't want to like drive into like the religious side of things on your podcast but there's so much tied in there of how powerful it is to do something for someone else and how much more of a driver that is towards success i mean it goes back to like why teams are so important you know you do it for the other people when you're working toward for someone else and not as like their direct work, but you're working to like not fail them. And you, you intrinsically feel that, that responsibility, you do amazing things and you can see it in, you can see it in being a parent and being a spouse. Um, you can see any time that it is you you're looking at it as it's not about me, but I just don't, I don't want to let that person down. I don't want to disappoint them. And that all comes back to that, like receiving that trust and leadership, you know? And yeah. I think that he, like he started with that, which opened the door for us to learn tons from him and, you know, take away so much from that time. Because I, I mean, I haven't really taken away as much. It took, I think maybe like seven or eight years before I found another person that I could take that kind of lesson from as a leader. Yeah, yeah no, I, and it's hard to teach. I don't know. I'm sure he had some good examples growing up and whatever, but I know in connecting with him now, you could tell he wasn't not 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 overly no. I mean, he wasn't calculated at all. He literally was being what he thought he was. He was literally just trying to be a good person, you know. Yeah. And I think this is what it was like. Oh, good good leaders happen to be really good people, and I think that's like what it comes down to. And I do think that when you I have this concept, man. I was going to save it for another time conversation, but I think it is very timely for what we're talking about now. I always felt like, and I always feel like even now, good leaders almost don't care if they, like they're not even ever thinking about getting fired. Like not because that they can't, they literally just don't care. Like it's not a thing like to them, they're not trying to preserve their jobs. 
They're just like, I'm here because I have been selected or I have earned this thing that's on my shoulders now. And yeah. if I get, I mean, like, it, they're not thinking about self-preservation at all, right? They're thinking about being a good person, serving others, and moving forward. And I always felt like good leaders don't care about getting fired. It's not even on their radar, you know, because yeah. they're not motivated by fear. They're motivated by, like, good and what they're trying yeah. to do. And sometimes people misconstrue that with, like, oh, well, you know, like, look at their career. Look at how great they are. Like, they're unstoppable. Like, why would anyone fire them? And it's like, it, it, it's counterintuitive to that thought because the confidence is not arrogance the confidence is that it's not about me that's right and it, and it's walking into every day saying hey i know i'll make all the right decisions as long as i know that i'm not doing it for me you know as, as a matter of fact my current boss he, he talks about the difference between risk to self and risk to mission and when he talks to us he's like when you are trying to decide whether something is a good idea whether it's go forward with a plan, whether it's too much work or whether, you know, like it, it's oversimplified, whatever, whenever you're dealing with that conflict of what do I do next? Just ask yourself, is it risk to self or risk to mission? And he's like, and I'll tell you most of the time, if it's risk to self, you need to go do it because you're like the risk you're assuming by not doing it or whatever the action is that's risk to self. It's not about you. Yep. If it's risk to mission, then whatever you're like weighing, you're in the right ballpark. But if it's risk to self and you realize that you need to do the right thing and assume the risks to self. And I was like, it very simply put like he, and he always says, he's like, I'm just a simple infantryman. <laughs> simple, right. And it's funny because he says that, but it's like, but what you're saying is you're taking a very complex thought and you're, you're simplifying it to a way that everyone can understand. And that is difficult, but you're just doing some mental jujitsu by saying, I'm just a simple infantryman, yeah, but yeah. it's a true point. You know, when you think about, Hey, I don't want to do this briefing or I don't want to do this work, or I'm afraid to make this decision because I might get yelled at. You're talking about risk to self. And that means that you're considering yourself over what the mission is or what other people need. And I was like, Hey, that, that's great. That's a great point because then it makes communication. It makes decision-making so much easier because it goes back to exactly what you said, which is not worried about getting fired. Like it's not about me. It's about the organization. It's about what's best for everyone. If they fire me, then I'm like the army was going to keep moving. That's right. You know, there's a, there's a funny, like, there's a funny analogy. So like, so I have, I technically have like two bosses right now. There's like, but it's a deputy and a main, like a, g35 future operations yeah and the uh the deputy is australian and anybody who listens to this that is in the same organization they'll be like oh obviously <laughs> there's not many of those right but he gave this analogy of like we talked about ego is the enemy because we had like a little lpd right and I, have you heard of this book uh i've heard of it yes i haven't read I, it i haven't read it but he but the whole point of our conversation was talking about hey like how ego can get in the way of planning it can get in the way of being on a team and how pride can just like become a three-foot obstacle to doing anything productive um and his example was this really weird analogy i understood where it was coming from but he had a mentor talk to him about how the army was a bucket of water and he's like, and as a staff officer, you come in there and you stick your hand in there and you just slosh around and you make waves and you're doing all this busy work and you're just sloshing around as much as hard, working as hard as you can. And he's like, and when you're done, you take your hand out and the bucket returns exactly to the state it was before you put your hand in there. And he was like, you have to remember that it will keep moving. It will, it will still be the same as when you came in the first day and when you left, it will always settle back in there. So you have to remember that it's really not about you. The bucket is not going to be different. The water is not going to be different. You are there for service. You're there to give what you need and you can't be worried about like how it's going to affect everything else in your life. And I was like, what? that must be a weird Australian analogy. I guess maybe like they don't have a lot of water in the outback, or something. <laughs> but, I, I, but I understood it. Like I understood yeah, the yeah. point. No, it's a valid point. And I, I think it's the thing that you realize the best folks out there just don't. I think this is what it is, man. I think that energy I'm talking about is it's hard to teach, too. It really is hard to teach or break 
which is that entire there's this uh, the 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 managers out there that do not seem to get the respect of the folks above them, peer to them, and below them, uh, who work with and for them. They they seem to at one not be very self aware. The energy is a little bit whether they mean to or not, it still is reality. They seem to have this careerism or this um, you know posturing or whatever it might be. Um, and I think that, and then not being able to be as honest, I think, and just, you know, and just trying to be a good person first, right? And then be able to kind of move right. from there. I mean, shoot, it makes me think about even easier about some of the folks that we've worked with and around or we've witnessed um, that are, that are, I mean, you talk about empowering and leadership stuff. I mean, this is, it's amazing to hear how many times I hear, it's weird to think about how many times I hear folks talk about who they work for and work with. That are just man textbooks screwing it up so like a good example what you talk about about giving so there are folks and i see it man they, they give you they they read a book right and then like okay cool i'm gonna i'm gonna give that trust to my people they talk about giving the trust and so then they do it but then what ends up happening is like hey all right alex i need you to go ahead and you're gonna go run this project man all right, right i trust you on it i've heard you've done things similar before let me know let's check in in two weeks let me know the progress 24 hours later hey man how's that thing going by the way hey why don't you come into my office real quick let's run <laughs> down i had some thoughts about this you know that so you immediately are like okay so you really don't trust me guy you know and so this is one of those things where leaders all the time and what it's from you know i'm being very empathetic of that too managers where they get that from is they get this, yeah. this is what, i'm gonna paint it man so they give you that they give you that and then they go back and their boss goes hey tim or hey susan How's that project going along? They're like, oh, I got Alex working on it. Oh, yeah, okay. You think he's got it? And they don't, they, they start to, uh, they start to stutter step, right? Like, all right, well, just, you know, that's a very important one. Make sure that it's good. And so what it is, it ends up, it ends up creating anxiety instead of them owning it and say, yeah, 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 they got it. Look, may not do it perfectly, but I trust him. So, or, you know, trust him or her. They're going to learn from it. I'm going to check in on two weeks. I think it's a great development opportunity. Then they're going to do a great job. But without that, you know, they create, so then it, that anxiety goes right back to the organization. And now Alex event is going to sit there two weeks from now going like, I wish you would have never given me this thing to begin with, man, because this is yeah. horrible. Yeah, no. So that's a, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I just thinking about like, I've only been in the job really a week. But one of the only things they talk about is we, I mean, we get projects and our bosses do have to do that. They do have to like, give sit reps on that, but they answer many times. They answer just like you talked about, which is like, yep, he's got it. He's got it. And they come and talk to us and we tell them where we're at at it. And they like, okay, uh, here's the guidance that I need you. Or do you need help? Like pull someone else in the office to get it. I mean, one of the things I talk about all the time is like, Hey, iteration is what we care about for the plans here. If we give Joe Cabrera a plan, the expectation is once it like starts to filter up, like Joe already talked to all of his friends and be like, Hey, is this dumb? Like, does this make sense? Yep. Because if not, Joe's going to be on the hook and we're just going to tell him, Hey, this was bad, man. Why didn't you talk to your teammates? Like, why didn't you get help? Why didn't you work together to get this? And I was like, I love that. I love that because I, that's what I want to do when you win. It's like, I won't, I don't ever trust my own brain to do the perfect job. Right. That's not how teams work. That's not how anything works. And I think the fact that they allow that to happen in the office and the fact that they like, even in that LPD, when they talked about ego, they were like, Hey, check it out. <laughs> uh, the Australian deputy was like, don't, don't put your names on products. Like don't put like your name at the bottom. And says like, Oh, this was done by so-and-so. He's like, I'll delete it off of all of it. It comes from our shop. It comes from all of us. Like we're yeah. all a part of this. Don't put your name on something that you think is going to go to a higher level so that you get a spotlight. It's all of us, even if it's bad. If you have something and you know, it's bad, you put all of us on it because if one, like the funny thing is he's always got quick whips. He's like, because it, we're, we have more strength in numbers if it's bad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I get it. Let's make 12 faces come together. Yeah. Yeah. Who did this? Uh, someone in here, can I help you with it? <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's one of those environments that like, is I think what a lot of people that you talk to want to have, 
where you feel, and we had it as, as lieutenants, you feel like you have protection from the outside to do the best job that you can. Right. And that's the key is like best is a subjective word, but when someone means it, they mean like the best that Joe can bring and the best that Joe can bring may be different from the best that Alex can bring. But what matters is it's the best that you can bring. And there's going to be no, like anybody else who has a, who has qualms with that or has expectations differently. Like that, that stops like in our, in our case, it stopped at that troop commander. Like, Hey, they gave the best, they gave the best that they had and either I failed them or we'll work on it and we'll work on it together. But I'm not going to be like, okay, well, like you go step outside of the formation and you're going to get yelled at because you can't be a part of my formation because your best wasn't what I thought. No, like you're growing people. You want people to be better. That's the kind of dip. (laughs) There you go. You're going to have a better muffler. I just got an engine Um, revving in the background. No, but you're right. Yeah. No, that's right, though, man. I mean, that's it's if you think about, I think about even going back to the first guy we, you know, we both work for. he now I know this I didn't know this before and I'm a little bit speaking for him because I'm not so sure I'm trying to remember if I've ever asked him point blank about this stuff it's cool to get debriefs now from him that years later you know decade or over a decade later on some of this stuff but um, what I realized is that I think he realized how important it was for us to get burned like give us the rope because the best learning and development is through that forging and it's like if, if he protects us from it Right, there's a lot of managers that'll go in there who are gonna swoop in before you, you know, and if it's life or death, I get it. But otherwise, they're gonna swoop in, hey, send me that PowerPoint. Hey, send me that, you know, brief. Hey, send me that proposal before it goes out. And then they yeah. end up redoing the whole thing. They realize that, you know what? No, 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 okay, you got it, you sure? All right, tomorrow is, you know, prime time and now you're about right. to go and then and then go well and you end up saying the wrong thing instead well guess what you're going to learn a lot more from that you're not going to do it again you're going to have that reference point burn in your brain of that embarrassing moment of like oh my god i will never not check the last slide or something you know whatever it might yeah. be right you uh-huh. know or never not check that one slide my buddy over there in this other department sent me and i just slid it in there without reading it if you didn't do that like the burns really matter and the great leaders know that like okay yeah, it's probably going to be about 85% good. That's good enough. You know, I'll run air cover for them and they'll know it's a learning experience, right? But that's yeah. it, right? He knew it. I think he knew it. Yeah. I, and, you know, that's one of the good things. So it's, it leads me into like two things that have kind of given me like a lot of hope in the in the new job that I have now is one, one of the primary tasks of like our bosses to for us to develop into good field grade officers and I love that because I have been just told constantly in my career that, hey, once you become a major, like nobody cares, man. You got to get out there. You got to score the touchdowns. You got to catch the balls. And I'm like, but I've, I've never been a field grade before. I'm like, oh, you got to, well, you got to be the best. Like, okay. And like one of, that's one of the reasons I chose, I chose to come to the echelon that I did, which was a core, because I knew that there were, I, I was hopeful that there would be people between me that would be like, hey, this is how like the army works at this level. And here's what I learned when I was at your level. And so when you go out there, like, here's all of this mentorship that I can take, give to you. And I mean, our boss started off with that. He was like, Hey, at the end of the day, the most important thing, you know, is, is that you guys are outstanding field grades when you go back down to battalions. And he's like, and and we're going to get there and there's going to be pain. He's he always jokes about like, don't worry, we'll get our pound of flesh out of you or like the work, the work that you need to do. But you know, like we'll, we'll get through this and we'll work together. And, um, sometimes that's all you need to hear. You're like, man, I will, I will, I will stay as late as I can. It's good for me because my, I'm unfortunately like wife and kids aren't here yet. So when I stay late, I'm like, what? I'm going to go back. Wasn't doing anything anyways. It's like I'm a Lieutenant again. Like I don't have anything to go back to. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is, you know, the, the big boss for where we work right now, I don't, I've never, I've never met him. Right. You just hear, like you hear the things trickle down. It's just like a C-suite, like the vision trickles down to where you're at. You don't actually always get a chance to hear it from, you know, words from the mouth, but there's, there's this very strong idea of we need to 
test the waters. We need to experiment. We need to think about things and then try new things now because we don't need to be just doing the same thing that's safe and then learn like the learn the hardest way through lives. So let's let's open the door, let's open our minds and let's try things that like we could easily be like, we can't do that. It's too hard. We won't be able to achieve that. And let's do it. And then when we learn and say, hey, like that didn't work for these, these, this training, it didn't work. We know why. And now we can either get better and make find out how to make it happen, or we can learn a better way to go about it and do find an indirect way to go about it, whatever. But the point is it's opening that it's making that space for people to think and to like want to push the limit and try harder versus staying inside the box. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that I appreciate at like coming from a three-star commander and given like, that's, I think maybe like tertiary knowledge to me uh, as a major, but the, all, all of those things, like my boss, like the vision that that's for a core and understanding like, hey, how ego is an obstacle and how you have to work as a team and you have to put those things away. How could you not want to work hard? Like, how, how could you not want to stay till nine o'clock at night, like putting something together because you want to do a good job for the team? Because you know that even, like if you put one square on a PowerPoint slide and you turn it in and you'd be like, that's the plan. That's it. They're going to be like, I trust you this is it like this, this will solve the problem. Yeah. And they'll go in there and be like a square is what we've decided is going to solve the problem. And they will take, they will take it for you. Yeah. Once it's like, I had, a, I had a boss once tell me you can always, you can always, you can do anything once, <laughs> you know, like anything in the world you can do once at least. Um, and so it's it, knowing that, you don't you don't want them to take that like sabo round as we used to call it like armor school you know yeah. like, you don't want them to take that to the face you want to make sure that they have everything they can and if they didn't you want to know you're like you crave what could have been better and that's what i think that's the incredible thing is when you crave like no what could i have done better yep well i guess we could have done this like okay yeah like i'm gonna write that down i'm gonna make sure it's fixed versus like all the time when someone's on you, like you talked about where it's like, Hey, I trust you, but like, Hey, how's that project going? How's this going? You're just like, I'm going to do the minimum until he asks me. And then I'm going to do one more thing. So when he asked me, I'm like, I added this to it. And then I added this and you actually aren't really productive and you're not learning anything other than the bad habit of like, do the minimum to keep yourself safe and go home and have a quiet sleep every night. You're not testing yourself and do that. I mean, that, that ends up, poor for the organization that ends up poor for the individual too because yeah. then they don't feel rewarding you know no i agree man it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing but it takes a ton of discipline man to be a good leader and to be able to allow that it's a it's why it's an art right there's this dance that you have to play and the best ones play it well and the blessed ones also know there's a lot of risk with giving that much rope but that's the risk is absolutely worth taking in order to be able to see that those you know the the folks who work with and for you kind of continue to develop continue to learn continue to mold become resilient in their own ways and figure those things out yeah growth yeah growth is rewarding like oh it's the best man yeah seeing people grow you're like okay I've, i've i've done it i've made a huge impact i'm happy yeah, no, it's uh, it's incredible, man. And and you got to be kind of if you're if you're really good at it, you're world class. You're thinking third, fourth, fifth generations of leadership that has yeah. to do with the people you're coaching and mentoring through. What, how are they going to be like to for somebody twenty years from now, right? And I hope that they've I've given them enough of an example. And it's not easy. If any of this stuff was easy, letting folks have rope and everything else, it would be you know people would Everybody do it all the time. It. So yeah, now I mean, let's talk the other side of it. So, you know, you, we talk about kind of what, what right looks like. And I think it's easy to maybe go, well, the opposite of that's wrong. But can you think of anybody who's just done it real wrong? And part of what I'm hoping to get out of this is, you know, especially for listeners and stuff that are saying, okay, I'm not like that, but you know what? I've done versions of that, or I know folks are doing that. And maybe I need to kind of check myself. That's not okay. Uh, yeah. You know, as far as what that goes. Uh, so can you think of, I'm sure you can, can you think of moments where you saw something you're like, holy smokes, that's a train wreck and never will do that again yeah so i i think uh so the the first example that comes to mind is when our first boss when he left 
and well, I think just for that context when he left, we're not saying like he, he just walked out. I mean, this is he had to yeah. change out for those folks who don't know yeah. it was his time was up and they had to rotate a new commander in, but okay. Yeah. And the easiest way to explain it was there was a lot of slack in the rope and the guy that came in after him was very uncomfortable with that slack. And instead of communicating that with us and saying like, Hey, what, how have you guys operated? Why did you operate that way? Why? Like talk to me like through why, like how it worked. Like, why was it successful? Like, why was this, they came in very much like, okay, this is me now. This is the way I want to do things. And this is about me. That's how I felt. It was about me or not me. It was about him. And so the rain started getting pulled back before the questions were asked. So it was like, stop doing that. Don't ever do that again. Like we're going to change everything immediately. We're going to do it this new way that I, that I feel comfortable with. I don't care whether you've been doing it a different way. That's been more successful. And what that ended up doing is causing friction to the point where you slowly started to move to just doing the things because it meant less heartache, it meant less friction. You just did it the way that you were told to do it. You didn't think anything outside the box. You didn't try and provide more. You didn't try and be like, be more for the organization and give the organization more success. You just did exactly what was in the box because doing anything beyond that all ended up with being questioned whether or not it was, it was worth it or was useful or like, don't ever do that again, because that's not how I think about it. And there's, there's time for that, right? There is time for that. But, you know, I think that's where the army always goes back to like give 90 days. You don't always have to give 90 days, but just see how things are working and see if it's actually something that's detrimental to the organization. And then if it's not, and it's useful, maybe build it or have it become better but just coming in and like peeling everything back and being like, don't do that every time. That's what I was going to ask. So have you found that to be the most successful in your experience? Like when you come in, uh, just as you're getting your new footing out there, are you just kind of, you know, locked in with saying, Hey, I'm not going to really change anything dramatic, if anything, especially if it, no one's hurting from it for a little while until I can understand what really I am changing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because I mean, there's been times that I've gone into jobs where, you know, people have told me like, Hey, it is not good down there. We're putting, we might, we actually putting you there because it's so bad that we think that you are going to be the one that fixes it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of benefit from that. Right. Because you like, you know, you're all, you're all, the mountains, it's only going to go up from there. Yeah. But the, the, the danger is it puts you in a position where a lot of people I think believe, well, I can start from scratch. Everything's wrong. If one thing's wrong, everything's wrong. And I don't believe that. Um, because I, I mean, I, I think I came into my troop command that way where I was told that it was not very good at all. And I think you have to be kind of self-centered to believe that, a three to 400 man or woman organization is just completely terrible from top to bottom, like just rotten to the core. And it's kind of like the old the old idea of like, is it, is it a barrel of rotten apples or is there a rotten apple in the barrel? Yep. And sometimes one rotten apple can make people think, especially if it's on top, you know, it's like, it's like you go to the grocery store you see the top apple rotten. You're just not going to buy any of the apples. Yeah. They're all bad, man. I right. Check. Yep. And so I think the, the wisdom and I'm, I'm, I'm positive that like army doctrine, the Bible, all those things are they're like just these bottle, these like condensed bottles of wisdom. And, and you can't know it until you've experienced it, but someone's tried to put it into a, a book for you to read real quick. And then they just hope that you trust it. Mm-hmm. And then that you see the lessons afterwards. And so to answer your question, yeah, I, I think co- I come coming in there and just observing how things are. If you're a good leader, you can easily see where things are like, mm, nope, that's not that's actually detrimental to the organization or, Hey, that's not how I would have done that, but I can see why it's useful or it might have a little bit of tweaks that it needs, but it's actually pretty good. And I never would have thought of that. And that requires you to be a little bit humble Mm -hmm. and to think, to understand that you don't know everything. And then to know that, Hey, like, what can I bring to make this organization better versus like this organization needs to be me. 
Mm-hmm. And it goes back to like not being about you. And so I, I think that was one of the friction points. And given that particular person came in, it was tough, right? Like they came into an organization where their background and their experience was vastly different from what you and I had experienced. I mean, and they were very honest about that too. They were like, I've never done anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I heard that, what I heard was, I trust you guys. So like, let's learn this together. And I think what actually ended up happening was I had, I don't feel comfortable with this. So I'm going to put a lot of control on this until I feel comfortable. Um, it's an interesting, like those, again, that, that little, those nuances of energy, just differences, you know, it can even be said the same way or said something can be said, but mean different things, just kind of how and, and how and which is delivered. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think about, I think about a lot of the times when you're, uh, when you're walking into a new place, you want to be able to make sure you do a good job. And I think that goes back to, you know, not worrying about being fired, so to speak. You know, if you're stepping into the seat, you're, you're owning the chair. I always look at the best leaders are the ones who kind of look much more of like they are, they are being given this thing to steward for a given amount of time, right? And so okay. if you look at it that way as opposed to you're here to go make a mark and you better make your name before you leave, you know, that's a very different that's a different energy you're putting on, right? And so when you're walking into um, a place and you're like, all right, how am I making sure I'm going to take care of this the best way I can for however long I'm going to be here? You're going to look at it much differently than somebody who's just like, look, I got to go make my name and then I'm on to the next thing. Your people read that, man. I think about what's so funny is how much stuff that we picked up on. Um, I always think it's a little bit of a tangent, but I always think that uh, it's it's always not only ignorant but disrespectful for folks who go sit into the seat, you know, as a manager, and think that the like the even the frontline folks aren't going to pick up on what the heck's going on, man. Like it's really clear to them, and if they think they're going to pull the wool over anybody's eye, that they're you know they're not just in it for themselves. Uh, I think that that's kind of it's a it's something that a lot of folks miss. Ah, they're they're further down the road. They're not going to they're not going to see what I'm up to, right? And they yeah. end up going about their business thinking they can do what they do. But you make a great and valid point about the about the way in which this stuff and how the energy in which is delivered. When you find that you do go into an org, you said something about, you know, you get a lot of banter, a lot of talk. Hey, man, it sucks down there, so on and so forth. How have you been able to navigate or how have you seen the best ones? It sounds like you kind of already had a way in which you did it. But to kind of block that noise out, are you always kind of like, hey, I'm going to go find out for myself, right? Because otherwise, uh, if I if I don't, there's so many people walk in with a chip on their shoulder. You're like, man, you don't even know me what happened here, right? And so is that kind of what you always draw a line in the sand and said, I'm going to do my own yeah. track finding? Yeah, so that that's exactly how I came into it is I understood what everyone had been telling me, but you know, I wanted to see it for myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I kind of started off with was I would, and I mean, I don't know what you guys, what would you call this in like, in the business sector, but it's like, we do initial counseling. What would that be called in the business sector? I mean, you could call it uh, onboarding or onboarding. Yeah. yeah. I think onboarding is the best way. So if, when I, when I would onboard, which is weird because I would come into the organization, but I would onboard the people that were blue. <laughs> yeah. but Everybody off onboard, the ship. I'm on it now. Now you come on. Yeah. You come back on board. <laughs> come back Get on. Off. Okay. Now I'm on. Okay. Now you can come on. <laughs> I'm the captain of the ship. Um, what I would, a lot of times what I would do is I would ask them, um, especially people that were ex- more experienced and by more experienced for like the audience purpose, I mean like NCOs, lieutenants, like I, I'm more mentoring because they don't have as much experience as me, but NCOs are usually experienced. So what I would ask them is I'd be like, what did you expect in this job to be doing? Like, what did you want? What did, what was your dream to be doing in this job? When you put on that rank, you got promoted and you got put in this job. What did you expect to be doing? And, and how does it match with what you're currently doing? Mm-hmm. And that a lot of times would tell me everything I needed to know, because then I would see, cause I, I mean, I, I, I was confident enough to know what I, what they should be doing by, by regulation, by doctrine, but then to hear them say what they, what they had hoped, you know, in their soul to be doing at this job and what they had actually been doing, you could immediately see like the friction point and the mismatch in expectations and reality. And 
and it's, I mean, I think it's pretty fair to be able to see when like expectations were way high and the reality was very reasonable versus the org like where it's bad, where you see like expectations are very like, like baseline expectations of what they expect to be doing in their job and what they expect from their leadership and where it's actually at, which is like so subpar that you're like, okay, that's easy. Those are easy fixes, easy things that like are either intrinsic to my leadership style or that I will be more attentive to because I understand that you all are more sensitive to that being that you've experienced the negative side of that. Right. And like, and that worked really well for me just because it's a way to get people to be honest without them having to bad mouth mm-hmm. previous leadership. Right. Like all you're getting them to say is this is what I thought this job would be like. And this is what I actually do. You make you, it like it, personal for them, right? Like you make yeah. it like, Hey, tell me about you. Yeah. Worry about everybody else. Like make, bring it back to your heart. What is it that you thought you'd be doing? Right. That's um, cool. And that made it really easy to change things. Like I, I, the b- best example is my first sergeant. He's a, he's a really good first sergeant. And I asked him, I knew what he, I like, I knew him as you're the senior non-commissioned officer. So you are like the, the most managing manager of everything. Like you know every skill and every technical skill down to the lowest level all the way up to your level and you can go out there and make sure that people are doing it the right way and you are just in this zone of just revolving around these soldiers all the time to make sure that their leadership is doing it and training the right way that they're doing it the right way like and i know that and so i asked him what did you expect and he said that exactly he's like when i first aren't i want to be the guy I want to be training people. I want to be down with the soldiers. I want to be out there with training. I'm like, okay, what are you doing? He's like, I'm spending all this time with writing evaluations, doing administrative work. And I'm like, well, here's what I think. I think that your explanation of a first sergeant is outstanding. And that's what I actually want you to do. So let's figure out how to change that. Let's figure out how to put you in that position and what we need to change in the organization. And man, like, you get a completely different person at that point. Oh man, they're waking up doing what they want to do now. You're on rocket boosters, man. That organization goes to 11, man. Yeah. And you can immediately see like where the friction was before, because this person who like starry eyed stepped in this job, having this imagination of what was told they were going to do is doing something that is not at all what they thought. And so there's friction there and then they can't get any feedback from there from the person who held my position before. Whereas like, Hey, I don't think things are going or are going in the right direction. Let's change this. No, I don't want to change that. I don't want to do anything that's going to rock the boat or make me do extra work. So back to your original question, like that, that was my method of, that was my excellent like litmus test of like, is there truth to what the people are telling me about this organization? And then what is the real truth? And knowing what people's expectations of their job versus their reality helps you quickly separate like what is truth from fictional and it pulls them away from having to talk about like you said talk about other people you're just talking they're just talking about themselves and they have full freedom to talk about what they expected when you put them in that position but it's yeah. so telling of like the organization as a whole no i dig it man I dig it. I, there's so much there that, you know, we could probably do a whole episode on just like even that skill alone on being able to do. Um, but I mean, it's active work and being able to put people in the right spots. I mean, it's like you're one of your number one jobs as a leader is, is making sure that the right people on the team, your head coach, are the right people on the team doing the exact thing that they need to be doing to be brilliant at it um, and not getting mired. And so, no, that's it. Well, I... I know we're coming up on time, but one thing that I want to leave folks with is like, what's something you think right now? I'll share mine first, and then you tell me what you got. It buys you a little time because I'm put you on the spot here. But what's something that even if it's small, that people could be doing now to be a better leader, right? Or move towards just doing it better, right? And so for me, I'll, I'll start with mine. You know, for me, I've always, I've always found to be an incredible skill of the greatest leaders out there they're they're very active listeners they're they they actually they actually say less than people would expect them to in that seat and what i mean by active listening whether it's to their employees or to their seniors or whatever not only do we do a good job by, by paying attention to what's going on 
but also following up with really good questions to help them understand more, not to gotchas, but to understand more before the gotchas, right? Because sometimes you got to be able to say, okay, wait, hold on. You said something here is inaccurate, but I'm talking about they do a lot of good fact finding and they do a lot of feedback, you know, or they do a lot of briefbacks, right? If Alex is going out here and giving me a, you know, a thing that's going on in the organization saying, I understand, oh, yeah, I get it, I get it. But, you know, no, they actually go, okay, well, hold on, just so I understand this, right? And they actually say it back to whoever's bringing this up. I found to be a, a really simple skill that actually is something that's incredibly important. One, it makes the folks who, who are, you are speaking with and engaging with truly feel understood, right? Because they're like, okay, good, that landed. He's not just brushing me off because I'm like one of a million things that he or she's doing today. And then the other thing is being able to actually understand what the problem at hand is without putting your employees or peers or your seniors in a situation, especially your employees, where they feel like, um, you know, they got to be able to say it the right way or they got to be able to have it so buttoned up where, you know, whatever, like, no, okay, look, I know that, I know that Alex is going to be the guy who's actually going to listen me. He's going to listen throughout, ask the right question, because even me, I'm having a hard time getting the problem fully out in the open and listen. So active listening is something that I find that the best leaders are, are good at. So that's my like, hey, look, if folks who just spend a little more time shutting up and listening to what the hell's going on, I think they'd actually find themselves moving into the realm of being better at their craft of leading organizations. What do you think? It's awesome. <laughs> I was trying to like, I wanted to listen to all the things you had to say. Walking, <laughs> um, So I would say owning, owning your, your direct reports growth. And by owning their growth, I mean, when you do the active listening, like you're talking about, and you're listening to what they want to achieve, you like, just take one goal that all of that each individual has and own them succeeding at that goal. Own it own like empowering them to get to that point because it goes back to the trust and leadership is that you you lead with hey i see that goal i want you to succeed at that i love that goal what let's let, i'm going to hold you to that goal i'm going to push you to make that goal happen and it you're not going to be able to manage everyone's goals because everyone every person is hugely complicated but yeah. owning the growth of each of like your direct reports of your organization and it makes them want to work harder for you because they know that you want them to do well just as that just as much as they want to do well in the company and just as much as then they want you to do well because you're looking out for them and so i think even owning, like a personal goal you mean like or what do you yeah, think? whatever it is that they want to achieve like own the goal with them yeah drive them towards that and they'll they'll it doesn't matter whatever menial task they'll do they'll work hard on it because they know that hey just like you said that person listened to what i had to say and they back briefed me on what my goal was and they make sure they understood and now they they're coming back to me they're like hey where are you at on doing that thing you want to do like what do you need help with what resources do you need? how are you getting there and then you show like you care about something that honestly might have nothing to do with yourself as a leader in that position but that person now sees that you you have ownership in their growth and them being great and so it relieves the burden of them having to be like i got to worry about myself no one cares about me no this person owns part of my growth and so now i can focus on the things i need to do because i know someone is going to make sure that i do well and take me to the next level and make sure that i am learning the things that i need to learn or whatever it is that i have for my goal in life i dig it man that's so important and then when you get to celebrate with them like that's just a big boost for everybody. Like, man, yeah. you crushed that. Hey, girl, you like you did that, right? And it it also just makes them feel like, gosh, man, I'm now kind of, um, I'm hooked. I'm working here, man, working with this yeah. person because I feel good like, about who myself all like, around. Yeah, who doesn't like looking back and be like, you know, Joe Cabrera used to work for me. Joe Cabrera, the CEO of that multi-billion-dollar company that's multinational. Yeah, he used to work for me. He always wanted to do that. I told him, you want to be a multi-billionaire, like. What can we do to make that happen? And it goes both ways. Like you never see, it's like when we talk about our soldiers, soldiers always reach back to us and we always reach back to them. And we're always proud of all the things that they do. And they're always proud of having someone who looked out for them. Yeah. Like it's a relationship that's just like phenomenal and it's endless just yep. by like giving that ownership into the person, the people that are servicing whatever company then working for you. No, man, it's just being a good human, right? Like, that's what it is. Like, come on, let's just be good. Yeah. This is like, we're so rocket science. It's not, dude. 
God, bro, that's that's right? Like if you look back, like it's like the simple <laughs> truth and people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But can you prove it? Okay. First there's active listening and then you have ownership of gold. <laughs> You're like, okay, okay. All right. Draw some bubbles and draw arrows to being a good person <laughs> and put that on a piece of paper. And then we'll put it on a presentation. We'll be like, this is how you be a good leader. And we'll be like, well, it's more than that. Well, that's too much. Let's start with those two. <laughs> yeah, we should just, you know what, man? Maybe you give me a new idea. Maybe it's every every couple of months we just dial back in, give another two, and by the end of it, we'll have like a whole blueprint. And then by the end of it, it's going to be funny because people go, so what you're saying is I just need to be a good person. <laughs> yes, <that's it. laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, be kind, be nice, be straightforward, yeah. all those Just things. make the center circle a big question mark. <laughs> be like, well, but it's a real big reveal on episode 155. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah, brother. I, this is I love talking to you about this stuff, man. I could talk to you all day about it. As always, I appreciate you being on, man, and thank you for your time. I appreciate you. Thanks. Well, thank you all for listening. This is the Professionally Offensive Podcast. You can catch us on all platforms. JC out.